0: Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 14. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. You may be seated. Since I've been pastor here, we have done a candlelight service every year. Why do we do a candlelight service? Do we have to? The answer to the second question is an obvious no. Other churches don't do candlelight services, and there's nothing wrong with that. I can't answer for every church that does a candlelight service, but I can answer for our church. It's a time where we as a church center ourselves concerning the true reason for the season— Not a part of the story, but the whole of the story. The act of a candlelight service is this, that Christmas isn't about presents or pageantry, but that those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. We remember the words of the Apostle John in his gospel, when he said that in Christ was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Or of Jesus himself, who said to a religious professional one night, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. So why do we as a church do a candlelight service? It's not tradition. It's not obligation. We come and we gather because light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. For generations now in America, across the world, there are certain traditions and themes that have emerged. One, one theme that emerges is that of charity. Of course, all of your kids are, are saying charity begins at home during, the, t- during tomorrow morning, right? The presents. You know, charity also is a big, big aspect of this time of the year because it's the end of the year. And for tax purposes, this is the last, last chance to do any charitable giving before the end of the year. Um, That one was putting off. A less cynical person would say it's the actual, the holiday season that inspires such giving. When it comes to the word charity, what I think is very interesting is if you have a King James version of the Bible, when those translating the King James version were translating the word agape, the Greek word, the Koine Greek word agape, which is the highest form of love the Greeks had. They wouldn't use the word agape for another person. You didn't agape somebody else. It's a selfless love. Love should be contractual between people. And agape love would be for a concept like justice. You're committed to justice no matter what. You're committed to mercy no matter what. Then all of a sudden, New Testament writers, they start writing about how God so agaped the world that he gave his one and only son. And that Jesus Christ's words to his disciples were to agape one another. So New Testament uh, translators, I don't know if I said authors before, but I meant translators, when they were looking for a word in the English that would fit, they chose the word charity. And it made sense at that point in time. Now it seems the word charity has been somewhat marred or misunderstood as something that we just do so we don't have to pay so much on taxes. And Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol, Jacob Marley says, business cried the ghost wringing his hands again, mankind was my business. The common welfare was my business. Charity, mercy, forbearance, and benevolence were all my businesses. The dealings of my trade were but a drop of water in the comprehensive ocean of my business. Here's another concept that comes around during Christmas and that is love. Just like charity, we don't really understand even our concept of love. Now, what we mean by that word love can have a huge breadth. We have about 21 different definitions, according to dictionary.com, on the English word love. When I talk about love during Christmas, you know, as soon as November 1st hits, we start, to, we start hearing Mar- Mariah Carey telling us that all she wants for Christmas is us. Very nice of her, but she does start off by saying she doesn't want a lot for Christmas. Hallmark has made a fortune off the idea of romantic love during Christmas. It's like the same movie recycled over and over, right? Because yeah, people keep watching it, keep buying it over and over. We also have the love in a family. And it would seem that um, according to saccharine 80s movies, Christmas movies, that the true meaning of Christmas is that of familial love or family love. However, it's not called family mess; it's called christ When I think of Christmas movies, I can only think of one that actually understood the love that you should be looking for during Christmas, and that was the Charlie Brown Christmas special. Here's the theme I want to talk to you about today. It's misunderstood just as much as charity and love is. The true meaning of it gets somewhat muddled in people's own own agendas, and that is peace. And that's why I called this peace on earth, goodwill to men. The picture I have on here top one I have the angels speaking to the shepherds peace on good, peace on earth good will to, um, toward men and below right here is an artist depiction of something it was amazing when you talk about peace and people who love peace this is one of the highlights in world history when it comes to peace and it was the 1914 Christmas peace I don't know if you've ever heard about this I had not until it was my last year over in Dubuque, so four, five, six years ago. I don't know. I can't believe it's been that long. It feels like yesterday. I also feel like I've always been here, um, which is a very good thing, by the way. Um, me and Becca, we go to this, um, music, we go to this um, concert from a guy named Michael Landrew. Michael Landrew, he was uh, instrumental in river dance and Lord of the Dance and all the Irish-type stuff, and I love Irish music. I'm not Irish, but I kind of wish I was. Um, and um, so, so we're, we're there. And then actually, once we got here, our first year here, he played over at, the, uh, over at the community center, which was awesome. One of those little confirmations from the Lord that we're in the right place. And, uh, and several of you there were with us that night. And um, the first time we were there, we, we, we heard him. He sang Christmas 1914. You can find it later, not while I'm talking. Um, Christmas 1914. And it's about this Christmas truce during World War I. 60 million people were called up to fight in this. And they were all told it'll be done by Christmas. It's Christmas. It's not close to being and done. And they are sitting there. They are freezing. Their dead, have not been buried the entire campaign. Nothing's really going on. They hear this guy singing in German, silent night. And this amazing thing happens. These people who are killing each other. They come together in no man's land and declare a truce for the day. They sing hymns together. They play soccer together. They call it football, but I'll forgive them for that. They don't know better. They, they, they give gifts. And it's just an amazing thing about this moment of peace before the war commences. In the song, Christmas 1914, I don't know if it's an Irish song or not, but it certainly follows the Irish uh, theme when it comes to music, which is, let me tell you something really sweet and nice and then let me remind you that everybody dies anyway. And so that's the end of the song. The kind of peace the angel is speaking of is not a political peace. It's not the peace that our mind goes to when we think of the Christmas peace of 1914. Because we'll have to admit that the war continued to go on for many years after that. That many of those who shared that moment had to kill each other the next day. But it's, a, it's an instance that makes our hearts long for peace of a better world. Christmas peace. When it comes to peace, the, the promise of the angel of peace on earth. Um, there are many songs that have dealt with this, have struggled with this, because they don't understand what the angel meant by peace on earth, goodwill to men. When you read the news, you don't get that impression that there is much peace to be had on earth. In fact, right now is a very special moment to be talking about this because Israel is at war with Hamas, with people who had done horrific things to their civilians. And now you see this thing and people, they don't really know what to think of it. They just want it to stop. But there's also the war in Ukraine. There's so much turmoil going on How is there peace on earth? A guy named Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, when he penned the words to the poem, which became a song, I heard the bells on Christmas day. The song tells of a narrator hearing Christmas bells during the American civil war, but despairing that, and these are words from the song from the poem, hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth. Goodwill to men. Next, let's look at John Lennon's song, Happy Christmas, the War is Over. Before you have Yoko doing her whatever she did, That it's a song pleading about war to be over. It's eerie because there's no sense of Christ in this Christmas. So how can there be peace? And this pleading of that war could be over if we want it, but to understand that in 3,400 years of human history, according to one historian from Time Magazine, Chris Hedges, Hedges, less than 8% has humanity known peace. And I would actually challenge that statistic because I'm wondering what he considers peace. I don't think there's been a solitary hour of human history where people have not killed one another. So what about the, what the angel says to the shepherd? And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Just like love and just like charity, we don't readily understand the peace the angel is speaking of. When we think of peace, we think about three things. One is a political peace. And that would be the peace I was talking about with the 1914 Christmas. And it does make our hearts sad because we realize if people didn't hate each other, they were just acting on orders. And that peace is a lot closer than we would imagine. But there's not going to be that kind of peace on earth. In fact, Christ even says in Luke chapter 12, verse 9, that when he comes again, there will be wars and rumors of wars. That a political peace will not happen until the age to come. Not in this age. We think it may be an inward peace. By this, we mean a certain inward feeling that everything will be all right. That we have no conflicting emotions within ourselves. Here's something that might surprise you. God does not want you to have that kind of peace because to have that kind of peace means that your sinful nature has won. If you are a believer here today, if you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ alone for salvation, you have a sinful nature and you have a spirit nature. We were told in Galatians that they're at war with one another so that we don't do what we want. So if we are at peace with each other, we have allowed our sinful nature to take over. And that's not the kind of peace that we should be having. It's not a peace that will lead to true lasting peace, but only the pleasure of sin, which lasts for a season and then brings destruction with it. The third type of peace it's the peace the angel spoke of, the peace that all other peace comes from. Even that peace that we have that makes us strong in adversity, that we know that we, don't, we may not know how, but we know that all things will work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, and that is peace with God. This type of peace is the most important, but it unfortunately is the most dismissed. And it is most dismissed by Christians themselves who don't think much of it think that's just baby Christian stuff. Let's get into the real stuff. Yet angels long to look into such things. Angels do not see it as shallow. They see it as deeper than the ocean. This is the piece the angel is telling the shepherds. When I read the scripture tonight and I had you stand, maybe it sounded somewhat off to you. That's because mostly we know this verse according to the King James. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. That is the King James Version, and near, but nearly every New Testament scholar agrees that it should be actually read more like the ESV or other modern translations, which is glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. That this peace is for children of God. This peace is not for the world itself. That there is no peace that is guaranteed a political peace in this world. But the peace we have is something the world can't take away either. See, if the world gives peace, the world can take away this peace. We look at the war that's currently going on in Israel and everybody's screaming, we need a ceasefire, we need a ceasefire. Well, that's all nice and good. But what happens when one side decides, I'm not going to have a ceasefire? The peace that was given is a peace that's taken away. And you can try to have a peace in this world, according to whatever teachings that might be in this world. But if you don't have peace with God, it can be taken away that easy. But a peace with God that you don't give away cannot be taken from you because it was not given by anyone other than God himself. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those whom he has pleased. So instead of peace being the whole earth, it's peace among those whom he is pleased. We sing the song today, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. You know, as we were singing that, I realized there's like 10 sermons in that song. I mean, it would take me quite a while to track down all the scripture that Charles Wesley used in that song. And he really put things in such a way to really understanding the scripture even clearer, a bit of a commentary even on this part right here and considering the song is about Luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 14, the angel's message, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. He captures it in the translation in his commentary on it, which is peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. No real peace can be found without this peace. I just have two points this evening. This is going to be an hour long service. We appreciate you guys coming to both services. You are just wonderful. So I just have two points today. One, how do you receive this peace? And then two how do you live out this peace? So number one, how do you receive this peace? You admit you have a need for this peace. The angels, when they proclaimed this, they were not saying, well, you already have it good for you. No, you need to receive this peace, but you don't receive a gift that you don't need or want. Tuesday is going to be a very busy day for anybody who takes in Amazon Returns. Already, maybe some of you have already done your gift, your gift opening. My family, when we were growing up, um, it, w- it was Christmas Eve. So maybe some of you already have been Googling, where can I take back that sweater? You know the sweater. Uh, <laughs> where, where, where Where's the Amazon return facility? See, if you don't know if you need it and if you don't want it, you don't accept the gift, you return it so you can get something you really want. If you have a full head of hair, unlike myself... You don't need or want Rogaine. So if you got that in your stocking, that's going back to Amazon. You know, you're like, I already have the movie A Christmas Story, and I don't need the funny bunny costume uh, that your aunt sent you. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote this before I even saw that, Alan. I love it. Those of you who don't know, Alan went to work, I think, on Friday, wearing a bunny, the bunny costume from A Christmas Story. Unfortunately, when we, tell, when, we tell of the, when we tell of Christ, of the light in the darkness, we start, we start this by not believing the words of Christ who said that men love darkness and they hate the light. If you don't know that you need peace with God, you don't receive peace with God. We, we have this tendency of just capitalizing on the positive aspects of the gospel, but the positive aspects of the gospel, for instance, God loves you. They don't have any, if they don't have any context, they don't mean anything. The context that whosoever believe in him will not perish. That without him, you will perish. You will receive justice when you die for every careless thought, word, and deed. But to those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ on the cross, he took your just punishment. How do you receive this? realize your need of it and realizing your need of it, understand that you are at war with God. What I mean by that, if you don't know Christ today, you're at war with God. In Colossians chapter one, verse 21, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. You may say that what evil behavior you could be talking about. I haven't killed anyone, but have you lied? If you lie, God sees you as a liar. His moral standard is so much higher than ours. You know, to, to kind of put this to such a very sharp point in our community, we see what happened this last fall when one of our police officers was gunned down. And we justly say, reprehensible, terrible, wicked, because our moral standard is higher. God's moral standard is so much higher. It's, I don't really have a good illustration. Like if your, your understanding was an aunt, his would be the, would be the son, but it's not have been that close either. Have you lied? God sees you as a liar. Have you stole anything regardless of the value? You're a thief. Have you always made God first in your life? If you've not always made God first in your life, you've, cre- you've committed the sin of idolatry. You, me, all of us, everyone has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And these are the evil deeds that Colossians is talking about that formerly we were enemies in our minds towards God. But God demonstrates his love for us in this that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You can't be good on your own. You can't try hard enough to earn your way into heaven. In Romans chapter eight, verse seven, it says, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not submit to God's law. And here's the last three words. Indeed, it can not. So you don't need a change in your thinking. You need a change in your soul. You may not know it, but you need this peace more than anything else, more than the next breath. So how do you receive this peace? You receive it by faith. What is faith? Faith, we hear this in church all the time, but what is faith? Many people see faith as just a belief in anything, but that's not the faith the Bible is talking about. Like you believe in unicorns, that's not the kind of faith the Bible is talking about. The faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of what is not seen It is not a blind face or a wishful thinking. It's a faith grounded, not in ideology, but in relationship. Jesus Christ. Do you believe Jesus? Not a Jesus you've made up in your mind, but the Christ from the Bible who has power to save all who would believe. Do you believe that he died and rose again? Has his Holy Spirit done such a work in your heart that you love him and hate the sin you once loved? Trust. Trust is a synonym for faith. Do you trust him? That he is everything he says he is and that you are everything he says you are. That you are more sinful than you ever dreaded, but you are more loved than you could ever imagine or hope for. Trust. Repent. Repent's another churchy word. What does repent mean? It means to turn away from. It's what happens when we truly believe, not just say we believe, but truly believe. We start to hate our sin. And even as believers, we can fall into sin again, but it makes us very, very unhappy. It makes us miserable because we have been bought by the blood of Christ. We hate the sin we once loved we love the Savior we once ignored. We love the Father because of the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Augustine, an early church father, said it like this, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. So, if you have this peace, how do you live this peace out? One of the biggest problems in the Christian life is that we forget that we have peace with God. Actually, worse than that, we're over it. We don't see it as something special. It's just like, okay, you know, why do I need to hear the gospel again? Consider this. First Peter chapter 1, verse 12, at the very end of this, as he talks about the riches we have in Christ, he says, things into which angels long to look. The angels that are proclaiming this message to the shepherds who say peace on earth and goodwill amongst those whom he is pleased, that they have this message of great joy for all people. They are the ones, they long to look into this. I can just imagine in heaven amongst the heavenly host, when the Holy Spirit is like, okay, who wants to go and, and spread the news? Like everybody has their hand up. Like people are sending in resumes. You know, I don't know if angels have resumes or not. I wonder if the, the dude who like nuked Sodom and Gomorrah is like, hey, you know, I've got a track record. Um, <laughs> they long to look into these things. You know what's a shame? You know what's there's so much dysfunction is that we don't wonder at the peace of God we have in our life. We act as though there was no other choice. As though the gate to hell is the narrow one, the one to heaven is the broad one. Is your life marked by the wonder of the peace of God? No wonder evangelism is such a small thing to us if we don't think much of it. We have to remember that we have it. That angels long to look into what we have. That angels know exactly how sinful we are but they are awestruck by how loved we are. We treat the love and the peace of God like they're just part of life. We get up, we put on clothes, we brush our teeth, and I have the peace of God. Is your life filled with the wonder of the peace of God or are you just over it? You need to remember this. You didn't earn this peace with God. You were enemies of God in your mind, but it was by the shed blood of Jesus Christ and the free gift of faith that you are a son and daughter of the living God. So many slip into a transactional view of God. And when I see so much anxiety, so much trouble in a Christian's life, it's because they have this transactional view of God. God, I did X, Y, and Z. You owe me better than this. And I've heard that same speech so many different ways. And I try to remind the person of the grace of God and they always have that same response. Oh, I already know that. No, you don't if you think he owes you better than this because he's given you more than you could ever deserve. Peace, With God. You don't value it because you don't realize how sinful you really are. That's something I always have to remind myself because I do the same thing. Oh, I absolutely do. I take the peace of God for granted. I wish I didn't. I wish I'd always remember that when I start getting bitter and self-pity, I start diving into self-pity and I start thinking, oh God, you owe me better than this. Because there might be a blessing that you get that I'm denied. And this is something that you know, Christmas, Mother's Day, and Father's Day are somewhat difficult for me and my wife. We have dealt with infertility. We've been married 15 years now. And on uh, Christmas, we have the baby Jesus on Mother's and Father's Day. We celebrate that. That's a blessing denied to me and my wife. And I'm so overwhelmed at the blessing of God in my life that I don't see that. Because there's other blessings that are denied in my life too all the blessings of Christ are mine. I have peace with God. And if I keep my eyes on that peace, I have no reason to respond in unthankfulness, to respond in any kind of anxiety, because I have peace with God. And finally, remember this, this has been our whole theme this Advent season, is you are an ambassador of this peace. I want to share with you a prayer from a Christian who died 336 years before Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the wall in Wittenberg Chapel. From Francis of Assisi, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. That is the prayer of every believer, not focused on ourselves, but focused on others. Make me an ambassador. Make me an instrument of your peace. It was much better, more succinctively put in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting with verse 19. That is, in Christ, God has reconciled the world to himself, not ca- counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. That is the message of peace. We are ambassadors of this peace because we have experienced this peace. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Becca, would you come up at this time? We're going to light our Advent candles. Every week during the weeks of Advent, we've been lighting the candles, talking about the different themes of love, of peace, of joy during this season. And the final candle we light is the candle of hope. And this is the point if uh, hopefully you got candles when you came in here. It's a candlelight service. Have your candles ready. Elders, deacons, I will have you once we light all the candles, come up and light your candle from the Christ candle and then go out to the congregation and light the candles. This is great symbolism in this. Because as Christ was the light of the world and he says, as the Lord, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. He sent his disciples out. And his disciples furiously, boldly preached the love of God to a world. And those people became believers on the Lord Jesus Christ alone for salvation. They told others, they told others, and then think of your testimony, who told you of Christ? That goes all the way back to the disciples whose candle was lit by Christ. So here at the church we light our Christ candle, and then all other candles are then lit from that candle starting with first our board members. So board members, if you would come up, elders and deacons, and light your candle with the Christ candle,